He always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? And we're live. Welcome everybody here to the Anthony Irwin Show Live Edition. I am Anthony Irwin, recording on a day where we found out that, hey, uh, looks like Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and uh, everybody in Brooklyn is just really excited to be together. Uh, so that is going to be the crux of the conversation here. Uh, <laughs> all that, right? All that for nothing. Um, I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say about that. But uh, for those who are listening and are Lakers fans, there is plenty uh, here that this means for the Lakers, as the Lakers were waiting for Kyrie Irving to be made available. Uh, They were waiting for some kind of outcome to the Kevin Durant thing so that they could figure out who was not going to be included in any Donovan Mitchell trade. Uh, now they get some clarity, but I don't know if it's necessarily the clarity that they were hoping for. So uh, we're going to talk about that. We're going to figure out which direction you guys would rather go in, whether it be Indiana or Utah, whether there's any relief from Lakers fans out there, as now it looks like uh, the, the Lakers will not have to worry about whether or not Kyrie cares about basketball um, or if it's just a letdown for people. And I don't blame anybody for feeling like that as a trio of LeBron, Kyrie, and Anthony Davis was pretty exciting as well. So, yeah, busy day, a busy, typical October 23rd day. Happy, happy, obviously, uh, birthday to, to Kobe. Um, wild to think that I saw a video of LeBron singing Kobe happy birthday on his 30th. It's crazy to think that was 14 years ago. Holy crap, we are all old. Um, rest in peace to uh, a legitimate icon. All right, we, I, I found my my co-host here in Aaron. I'm going to bring him on. So, uh, Aaron, I just want to start here as it pertains to what's going on with, with the Lakers. Is there any sense of relief, do you think? That's this is what I find the most interesting here is is there any sense of relief of like we were kind of holding our breath and we were hoping that maybe Kyrie would finally focus this upcoming season if he was traded into a situation and reunited with LeBron maybe just maybe he would he would care about basketball in ways that he hasn't necessarily the last couple seasons it, now that that is no longer an option, would you say there is any relief that you have sensed? I thought I brought him on. So, uh, Aaron, can I can, you hear me? yeah, I can now. Yep. Yeah. So, do, do you sense any relief? Do you think is is relief one of the emotions that some people with the Lakers are feeling now, as the notion of hoping for Kyrie to focus on basketball? Um, might have made some people a little nervous. I can understand why it would make or would have theoretically make some people uh, uncomfortable, I guess is the word I would use, Um, more so than nervous. I mean, 
he has let, like let's just put the on court portion of it we'll leave the rest of it alone but he is not even on court he has not been the most reliable guy to his teammates uh in terms of availability uh recently whether that's for personal reasons for injury or what have you so i can understand some uh some people that were uncomfortable by the idea of it but i i, I have kind of a contrarian take on this in that I don't know that this really solves anything. Um, it was, I've, I've said lots that I figured out, I, that I, not that I figured out, that I assumed that um, the Nets were going to try to establish something, whether that was trading KD or just kind of figuring out what was going on with KD, what was going to happen, coming to an end point before anything happened with Kyrie. I've said it on the hook. I've said it on these spaces. And at first glance, this kind of seems like that but i'm not sure like are, are we certain that kd is just going to ride off into the sunset and this is the last we're going to hear about any of this i'm not convinced yeah i mean i've i've poked some fun at it on twitter liking it or likening it to kobe dwight and mike d'antoni taking that picture back when everybody knew those three hated each other and they were like see we can joke now we like each other and like I, by, the, by the way, sorry to interrupt you, but I have found that off-putting, the comparisons to the Kobe trade well, yeah. demand today. of all, like I have found that kind of off-putting. The, uh, the KD tried to get traded, the team said no, and that's the end of it. I'm not sure that's the end of it, and I just find the comparison kind of off-putting, to be honest. It wasn't the end of it back in 2007. That story lingered throughout the season. It wasn't until like some game against the Seattle Supersonics, which is kind of a crazy name to mention, but... I remember after after the Lakers beat Seattle um, and Bynum played really, really well, that was finally the first time, like months into the season, that uh, Kobe kind of acknowledged, hey, there's more progress being made here than we envisioned. And again, like there's there's also like the aspect of this being Kobe's birthday and mentioning any of, the, of this feels kind of shitty on a, you know, on a day that people are legitimately mourning, but uh, but yeah, I, I, the, this notion that like this is just going away, I, I think the people who have made that, Woj made that comparison, right? We're just going to come out and say it. And of course, Woj made that comparison and painted Sean Marks in the light of uh, the Lakers organization that was able to recuperate and recover a season and eventually get to the finals. Because again, like if there's anything we know that Woj is going to do here, it's going to be to paint his guy in a positive light. He tried to paint his guy in a positive light after Neil O'Shea got fired. So we know that like he'll go to the ends of the earth to protect the people he deems his his due. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like Neil yeah, O'Shea I, is not my favorite. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> we get that's a whole different subject. But like even even if you're making that comparison, that season had to go absolutely perfectly. One of one for Kobe's trade demand to be not just rescinded but he recommitted to the Lakers uh, over the course of that season. And the reason that happened was because, A, Andrew Bynum showed progress that I don't think anybody saw coming, and B, the Lakers traded for Pau Gasol. Like, <laughs> I don't see either, right. of those, either of those kinds of developments coming here for, for the Brooklyn Nets. And, like, the other part of this, like, not even, not even as it pertains to, to Durant being okay with things now moving forward. What about Steve Nash? <laughs> what about Sean? Marks? Right, yeah, no, those demands, those demands were very public. Um, <laughs> like it was, it was, yeah. it, it was basically like they, 
Durant basically went out there and said, it's me or them. And like, yeah, it's kind of, it's super rare in this era of, of the NBA that a star would be told, okay, it's them. And, and, and we're obviously going to see how those ripple effects kind of spread across the pond, but also I really am curious here for, for Nash and for Sean Marks, like, Hey, um, you guys have you guys have to see how this is working now, right? Like this is no longer right. the partnership you guys think it is, and that's fascinating too. So there's a there's a lot here, and I'm gonna do a I'm gonna I'm gonna try an analogy because I see I see our buddy Darius in here, so I'm gonna try a Darius style analogy. But this to me is like Darius, husband, happy brother, happy birthday to your brother, by happy the way. birthday to your brother, absolutely. Um, and we're we're sending love to the family. Mm-hmm. This feels a lot like when your husband or your wife tells you that they want a divorce and then it doesn't and they don't actually like go through with the process of it. And you go like okay, and they, they figure out for financial reasons or for the kids or whatever else, for whatever reason, they can't actually decouple from you. How yeah. are you supposed to like hang out at the house? How are you supposed to have your friends over for barbecues when your significant other has already asked for a divorce? Like that is and has gone around the entire neighborhood and told all the neighbors that they want a divorce from you. I don't know how you're supposed to do that. So <laughs> I, I, like, that's I, the yeah. part. That's at the next PTA meeting. Like, I don't know. Had yeah. that side conversation. I don't is know how that, that's going to work. He went on a loudspeaker. Was like, I don't like this people. These people and and was publicly <laughs> flirting with <laughs> with some yeah. of the neighbors. Right? <laughs> your neighbor from Phoenix. Like your, your your neighbor. Your neighbor from Phoenix. You're telling so, me that. <laughs> so two things here. One. I am entirely not convinced that this is the last we're going to hear of this for a couple reasons, you know, uh, that, and, and again, as it relates to the Lakers, um, all of this is fluid until, until the trade deadline. So I'm not, I'm not entirely convinced it is just going to be uh, kumbaya for the nets and everything is going to go, you know, it's going to go wonderfully. Well, the other part like, of it, the reason that yeah. the, the thing I think that this is, I, one of the reasons why I don't think that, uh, it's just that this is done with is because I don't think I don't think this is truthful. I think this is this was purposeful because I think Kevin Durant fucked himself when he made his demands public and it didn't put it didn't put uh, the Nets in a good spot either. So I think this leak or this statement, which, by the way, this is the first time I can remember a team and a players business entity production company jointly releasing a statement (laughs) what this does what this does for the nets is it says oh yeah no everything's good we're keeping him all these bullshit offers that we're getting are not good enough that's what it does from the nets perspective and from josiah's perspective and the nba the other governors and owners perspective it says no we're not bowing to superstar demands anymore but what it does from KD's perspective is it allows him to save face. Because when I said he fucked himself, when he made his demands public, Josiah is not someone who's going to get bullied and is going to get pushed around. So yeah. when he said it's either them or me, and Josiah says, well, it's them, what was KD going to do? We talked about this on The Hook. We talked about this on Spaces last week. He has no more recourse. What is he going to do? Not show up? You have four years left. You're not going to not show up and get all your money taken. You're a quote-unquote hooper. You don't want to sit it out. You're also 34 years old. What are you going to sit out four years? So this yeah. allows him to save a little bit of face because he had fired all his bullets. He had nothing left to do. So w- we talked about this the other day. What is he going to do? Show up and just take the L? 
So this allows him to show up and take a little bit less of an L publicly. And it allows the Nets to say, no, we're not, we're not taking your bullshit offers. We, it's all kumbaya. Do I believe them? No. Well, so, all right. As it pertains to the Lakers, the Lakers can't sit out and wait for like Kyrie to be made available later in the season. Like that is not, that is not, I don't think a sustainable approach to, to the season to think that, you know, for, for it's one thing if you're going to commit to bringing Russell Westbrook back. And if you're trying to make it seem to everybody through, through leaks and statements that, you know, we're, we're, we're excited to carry out this season and, and try some new things and maybe get a different uh, Russell Westbrook than we saw last year. It's one thing to do that. And, and if it's going, if that's going to work, then it's going to take legitimate commitment. But if you're sitting, if the extent of the commitment is, well, we're basically just waiting for that tire fire over there to have some gasoline poured on, poured on it. And uh, hopefully it does. What was, maybe the, what was that, that first p- word you just used? I don't know. Okay, never mind. Go ahead. I I I, I, I always laugh when people are like, "Hey, what did we you have to go ahead? We're gonna have to go ahead." December thirteenth of two thousand nineteen. You said in a podcast this. I'm like, I, dude, I, I don't remember should, what I said three seconds ago. I just think we should clear the. I mean, you switched a couple of letters around, which makes me think we should clear the search history on your on your browser. But go ahead. Uh, all right, now I'm nervous about what I might have said. But anyway, <laughs> you're good. You're uh, good. But yeah, I. <laughs> But yeah, I just don't think that the Lakers, like they have to now choose, I think, between Utah and Indiana. Like they, if they're, if they're really interested in, in Kyrie Irving, maybe you take back the kind of contracts that you, that you can move and sign Kyrie in this upcoming uh, summer's free agency. Like that's an approach that I'm fine with if, if you want to maintain flexibility to do that. And, and that's going to be, I think, a priority here for the Lakers, but uh, the the notion that like they can just sit this out and wait for things to go bad in Brooklyn, I just don't think that if they're trying to salvage the season, that's something that they can do. I, I'd be I'd be frankly surprised if that was their approach here. I think it's more likely they try this out with some guys on short term deals that either expire after this upcoming season or. Um, are easily movable in the upcoming free agency or uh, upcoming off season so that you can be more active in next year's free agency when Kyrie would be on the free market. Like that's, that's something that I could see them do. I'd be shot. You, you honestly think the Lakers would sit and wait this thing out. You're going to make me be careful here. Um, I know, I know. I know. Here's, Remember here's unnamed I think. I think, cognac is delicious. Yeah, unnamed cognac is delicious. Yeah. Um, I think it, it, it is, I don't think, I know, it is a risk calculation that has to take place. Because what you were saying about maintaining flexibility for next year, for no player in particular, but it is a good free agent class, mm-hmm. and the Lakers are a, certainly a destination. So I think maintaining flexibility, um, and, and which would require not having long-term uh, obligations on your books, is... Certainly a consideration. Also, another consideration and balancing act is uh, speaking of future considerations, one first round pick, two first round picks, no first round picks. All of those kind of things are are questions also. And I think it is it is definitely a balancing act. Like how good of a package do you have to get back to be willing to take on long term money? How good of a package do you have to uh, be willing to how? good of a package are you willing to take back to give up one pick versus two picks 
um, et cetera. Now, for one of those teams that you mentioned, let's also, for, for the sake of clarity, mention that uh, the guys that they got in trade from Minnesota cannot yeah, be aggregated in a for a trade week. for another like 10 days or so. Um, but I do, I, I do expect the Lakers to still be active in trying to improve this roster. And I, I did think that the person that you are mentioning, the person that we are talking about, I did think for a long time that it was likely that he was going to be a Laker. I think that has shifted somewhat now, but I do not think the Lakers are done on the trade market and even the free agent market in improving this roster. Um, in fact, I know they're not. I ex- I expect some changes to this roster before the before camp starts. Whether yeah, that there, will be before the mini camp starts is a different question. But I expect changes before camp starts. The, there was a report Mark Stein came out with earlier this morning, and, and the timing of this was funny. That he said essentially the Lakers um, there there is legit interest in Dennis Schroeder. By uh, by depend- funny, do you mean not coincidental? Yeah, yeah, I could say yeah, funny interesting intriguing you know eyebrow raising all of those all yeah he was he, you get that and then you know a couple hours later you hit you get shams uh reporting and then three seconds after shams uh brooklyn slash boardroom uh saying that everybody was on the same page over there uh, but they didn't stop- they didn't they didn't personally email you uh, no, no, not in this case. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not on the Brooklyn Nets personal email list, unfortunately. I, I, that's my next one. Boardroom follows me though, so maybe, maybe that's what I got to go through. I got to try to get in touch with the people of Boardroom, and and maybe I can wait. Talk so to you, Joseph. you, it's not Andy Lou. You killed the dynasty. You, you ran uh, Kevin Durant out of Golden State. <laughs> You're all welcome. Uh, but, but except for you, Aaron, because we all know uh, about your easy, your easy. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I the the Stein's timing on the reporting was 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 pretty interesting, and you know, again, a couple hours later, we get all of the noise that we're talking about here today, and you know, look, I again can totally understand why people would be more interested in Kyrie Irving. I get it; it's the bigger name. Uh, LeBron wanted. Kyrie Irving, that was that was a direction that he would have preferred to go in, and and look, Kyrie and LeBron won a championship with the third best player being Kevin Love. Yeah, this time it would there, be there is proof of concept there. Yeah, it would it would be in this case Anthony Davis who is better than Kevin Love. So I can understand why that where that train of thought might be heading. All that said, if you basically send out the same stuff and bring back Miles Turner, Buddy Heald, and then you go out and get Dennis Schroeder. That makes the Lakers a lot deeper and and a lot less volatile than they would have been otherwise. You probably don't have the same ceiling because, you know, ceilings are decided by star power in the NBA. But that floor is significantly higher. And that team is significantly better than last year. I, I don't know if I would necessarily throw them into title contention. I would probably put them, like, right on the fringe of it as I wait to see what things look like uh, with Anthony Davis and Miles Turner playing out, playing out there together, um, could those guys be good enough together to be in closing lineups? Like all of those things would be questions that need answering. But that is a very good roster, and I think I I would probably go so far as to say a better roster than you would have had if Kyrie Irving was the only return um, in in a Russell Russell Westbrook and two picks trade. So I I personally. And this is going to sound homerish. I understand it if you're 
a Nets fan or a fan or a different team and you're listening to this and you know, oh, here we go. The Lakers guy is talking himself into these things. But no, I, I actually think on the margins and in terms of volatility, this is a team, if that is the group that they would kind of recreate themselves around, that's a very deep, very sturdy or not very deep, but a sturdier team than we have seen in the last couple of seasons. And, and one that I'd be really kind of interested to, to see how it fits together, especially by the way, if Schroeder is on the minimum and he essentially has to accept whatever role uh, it, it makes the most sense for the Lakers. Like if, if you get Schroeder's talent and uh, the flexibility that comes with being able to tell Schroeder, no, in some cases you're not going to be closing. In some cases you're going to be coming off the bench. If Kendrick Nunn fits better with the first group, then that's, that's the direction that we're going to go in. Um, or, or if it's uh Lonnie Walker fits better. Like those guys are going to be in a legitimate competition for minutes. That's a group that I, I, I think I can get behind, but I, without getting yourself yeah, into yeah, trouble, Aaron, um, here's, you here's can, my you concern. Could speak, you could speak generally. About, I will speak like, generally. Here's my, deeper, concern. Here's, my yeah. here's my concern. And I think, I think you just, you just mentioned it. Well, there's, there's two things. One having nothing to do with the Lakers, miles Turner. If, if anybody acquires miles Turner, I don't think they're doing so to just get rid of him, right? You're going to have to re-sign him. Um, and then that cuts into the flexibility. And obviously, Buddy cuts into the flexibility going forward too. Um, but I think the real question is a fit question. And you mentioned it about closing lineups. So I, I personally think that the Lakers roster is stronger with uh with big guys than it is with wings and and small guys let's say um, yeah. i think the lakers did a better job acquiring big guys that can play than non-big guys that can play so throwing another one into the mix um when you very uh specifically and very boisterously say anthony davis should be playing center right so throwing yeah. resources into that and I wonder what you do with with who closes and all of that. So I think that is that becomes kind of an interesting question. Um, Miles Turner can just talking about his game. He's an excellent shot blocker. Um, that's his main value defensively, but he is excellent at. It. He's one of the best in the world at it, and he can space a little bit. Uh, not a little bit. He can space. He can shoot it for a big guy. He can shoot it. I, the fit with Sabonis in Indiana wasn't great. So I kind of have some question about what kind of fit him playing with another big guy, whether it's the Lakers or anybody else, tampering police go away. Um, I have questions about, so I, I think that is the real question about allocation of resources. Um, but as compared to another trade with the Nets that you that people have thrown out there, um, it certainly brings in, and then you mentioned somebody maybe otherwise, and Mark Stein mentioned signing for the minimum. I think that certainly brings a some depth that has been lacking the last couple of years, and is and is really hard to to have when you have this many players, two and in, in in this case three players making maximum salary. It's really hard to have meaningful depth. So what you are the path that you are suggesting would be a path to having just more. NBA level, good NBA players. So I, I think there is some value in that. Definitely. At the risk yeah, of I, being too specific. That return um, being from Indiana, if it is healed and Turner, and then you go out and you sign Dennis Schroeder and it sounds like Schroeder 
would probably just be kind of part of the plans regardless. I, it's been pretty surprising to me that he's still available at this stage of the offseason. I know he's been difficult in now his last two stops. I know that. Wait, uh, wait, 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 though, wait, though. What? You and I have said, and you said this, I think it was about Kevin Durant mm-hmm. uh, on the hook, or maybe it was Faces last week. Um, and we have said this in relation to all of the McMiniman has chronicled this of all of the uh, Lakers minimum signings from last year who no longer have a job or don't, yeah. not no longer, don't currently have a job in the NBA. Mm-hmm. The NBA tells you who you are. Yeah. So are you that surprised? Is this not just a case of the NBA telling Schroeder who he is? I mean, if the NBA thinks that Schroeder shouldn't be on a roster at this stage of the offseason, I think that's pretty surprising. Do I think the oh, NBA well, no, is... no, wait, 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 wait. The NBA yeah. doesn't think Schroeder should be on a roster at this point of the offseason because he's not on a roster. Right, right. I, I, I that's, That kind of surprises me. Like, this dude was, was one bad decision away from a four-year, $84 million contract with the Lakers. <laughs> that's, he went from that to now... Maybe he signs late in the offseason for the minimum, or he has to wait for somebody to get hurt as we get into the into the regular season. He gets a prorated minimum. Like that is a wild drop off. I do think I do think he will find a team. Frankly. I do think he will. I do. You're right. It is, and I do think he will find a team this year. But he was awful last year. Yeah. I mean, after all, of the, put the Lakers stuff aside and the contracts. Up, put all of that aside. He was awful last year, and I think it is not entirely a coincidence. And look, I still think he can probably play if, as you're saying, he is has been humbled enough to fit to his strengths and fit find in. the role that works. I think mm-hmm. he can still play. Um, but I don't think it's a huge coincidence that the Celtics were a disaster when he was there, and then yeah. not just him, but he left among other, some other changes, and they took off after that. I, I don't think it's coincidental. He yeah, was, I, he was awful last year. One thing I think that we can say definitively about Dennis Schroeder and, and as it pertains to the league telling you who you are, the league has told him you are not a starter, right? You are not a starter. You are not at the stage of, of your career where some team is going to carve out starters minutes for you. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure you're going to want that recorded four months from now. Well, I look, I, I, I think it's pretty clear. And, and by the way, like if he, if he is a starter on the Lakers, then that, probably calls into concern their backcourt minutes, right? Like it, it kind of goes to show that their hopes in some way, shape or form here would be pinned on a guy that is essentially out of the league as, as you and I are having this conversation. Um, The other part of this. So the, if, you know, the Lakers again, choose to, and I think they are going to, there's no reason for them not to. Uh, If the Lakers choose to wait for everybody who was involved in that Rudy Gobert trade, to be available to be traded from Utah, um, which I believe is on August 30th is, is that date. I think, it, I think it's September 4th, but what, it's close oh, enough. It's, close it's enough. one of those two days. I've, I've heard either way, but if it's whatever it is, if it's a week from now, if it's 10 days from now, I, I think the Lakers are going to spend their time, oh, you know, between now and then really kind of going over hypotheticals, getting, uh, you know, some kind of input, input from teams, uh, when it comes to, all right, what one first-round pick and Russ gets us versus what two first-round picks and Russ gets us. And essentially, I think the, the, the direction they're probably going to go is what team is willing to include stuff that helps the Lakers and only costs a first-round pick, and they're going to wait for those two teams to kind of blink on that. But if it is Utah, 
Look, the one criticism I think that is fair as it pertains to uh, the return from Indiana is you still don't really address the wing depth. You know, Miles Turner is a big, but he healed as a shooting guard and a non-defensive shooting guard. In, in fact, his defense is offensive. And you look at Utah and one potential pick that, or piece that could be coming back is Patrick Beverly. Another one that uh, I think Shams reported, a name that he reported today was Bojan Bogdanovich. He is a bigger wing who can shoot. Um, so I, I think I would still probably lean towards Indiana being a better return if you have to give up both of those two picks. Though if you can give up both those two picks and get Beverly Bogdanovich and something from Utah, because I don't think any of those guys, either Bogdanovich or uh, Beverly, are as intriguing as Turner is, uh, I, I, I think that's getting a, a, a floor spacing, bigger wing, who has taken steps back defensively and, and um, was never particularly great on that end. I, I I could also understand why pursuing some wing depth that the Lakers just desperately lacked last season, that also makes some sense. Malik Beasley is also over there. Uh, Jordan Clarkson is there. Uh, Mike Conley is also in, in Utah, though I don't think the Lakers are interested in his contract if they are still focused on remaining, uh, it, it, you know, being a factor in next season's free agency. But I, I think Utah also offers up some more pieces. And the nice thing about Utah is that they have a few guys in that kind of 10-ish, 10 to 15-ish million dollar range that if you need to uh, combine them and you're able to keep that first round pick, uh, that makes you more flexible at the trade deadline, depending on what the Lakers would need at that point. So, like Aaron, again, without getting yourself into trouble, unnamed cognac is delicious. Un unnamed cognac is delicious here, but I, I think here with with and, and I'm not even positive unnamed cognac is legal in Utah. I don't know. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, I have had but, an unnamed cognac in Salt Lake City. <laughs> there you go. I hope so. I, I, it seems like I'm probably heading out there for for the All Star Weekend this year. So, like. I, I hope I'm I'm able to enjoy unnamed. Oh, it's going to be mis- it's going to be miserable. It'll, yeah, it'll, be, it'll be miserable. Yeah, it'll be yeah. miserable. Yeah. <laughs> but the 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 idea of well, one, I think you and I are probably on the same page here that the Lakers probably wait this out for either August or August 30th or September 4th, right? That's the starting point here that that probably matters most to those listening. Um yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and no you reason did. for them not to. There's no, there's, no, no, there's no, no, literally no, no. no, no. reason for them not no. to. No, and you and look, I talk about all the time um, about how deadlines create action. Um, and you did mention lots of people that play for the Utah <laughs> Jazz. <laughs> look, I suspect, um, I suspect that Utah is. I suspect Utah's roster is going to look very different by the time the season starts. Um, I don't think. Utah has any designs on winning basketball games. I don't think their best player is going to be there when the season starts. They obviously already traded Rudy Gobert. I think they are in line for a full a full rebuild. Um, whether that has anything to do with the Lakers or not is a different conversation. And again, unnamed cognac is delicious. But I do think Utah is going to look a lot, quite a bit different. Um, I said, you know, whatever, six months ago that, if they traded, if they traded one, if they broke up the pairing of Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, that they should trade both of them. 
from the outside, it seems like that is what their plan is. But uh, Danny Ainge is, is notoriously strange when it comes to these sorts of things. Um, <laughs> well, he's, so, he's really – he's fine making moves when it comes to, like, stripping down his team. It's He's a hoarder after the team is stripped down and doesn't want to do anything that allows that team to take its next step. So this is when Danny Ainge is like in his, this is happy Sure, place. sure. And this could feel like when Danny Ainge is in his bag. But if the leaks are to be believed about what the offers have been for Donovan Mitchell and what he is seeking for Donovan Mitchell, it seems like there is only one team that can fulfill those demands. So I don't know what we're doing here if that's the case. I don't, I don't know what yeah. Ainge is trying to is trying to accomplish here. Um, but yeah, I do, I do think that. And part of, part of today's really, whether you believe it or not, whether you believe it's significant or not, um, the joint statement from KD, what I do think it does. And Patrick Beverly even kind of alluded to this on, on Twitter earlier today. I do think it kind of starts to grease the wheels, um, for the rest of, for the finish of, of a hot stove season for the NBA. I think now there can be some signings or now I think there will be some signings and, and possibly some more trades because people feel like they have more clarity on the Brooklyn situation and the Kevin Durant situation. Yeah. I, everybody was kind of waiting for that domino to fall over. And, you know, the, a lot of times we, we see this, basically we've seen this honestly, every off season, it feels like for the last few years, kind of dating back to Kawhi when we were watching where his jet was flying and all of that. And finally, when he decided to go to the Clippers, the Lakers acted really quickly and, and made their slew of signings and, and filled out what wound up being a championship team. Um, I think we're probably going to see something similar to that here with, with this situation as, all right, now, now that yeah, we're getting the, another ring. Oh, uh, Probably not, but but oh, you know what? You, maybe, okay, no. maybe. I thought you just you know? said that. Okay, All right. <laughs> I got excited. I meant, for I, meant, a I, meant, I meant more that we'll see that slew of, of activity again. I, I don't know about if that slew activity will lead to a championship here, but you know what? Who knows, man? It's it's a weird season, and this has been my thing all along here with with LeBron and Anthony Davis being on the team. Just give those guys a shot, and I don't think they have a shot with Russell Westbrook on the team. Not just because of like him as the player, but because of the lack of flexibility that you have across the rest of your roster. But like, just give AD and LeBron one more chance, one more, one more shot or a couple more shots here um, before LeBron is, is at that point where, okay, yeah, he's at a different stage of his career. And I think with, with both of these teams, whether it be Indiana and it's Miles Turner and Buddy Heald, or whether it's Utah and it's Patrick Beverly, Clarkson, uh, Bogdanovich, or, or Mike Conley, like they, there are some names here, some guys who I would feel comfortable playing in in playoff settings. I, I don't know if there was almost anybody outside of LeBron and AD from last year's team who I would comfortably put into a playoff setting. And as that currently stands here with this roster, I'm not positive I would be particularly comfortable with m many people outside of of the top two on the Lakers roster. But if you if you do replenish some depth there. And, and you get some guys who fit and help you optimize LeBron and AD, that gives you the puncher's chance. And that slew of activity, I don't know if it, I would go so far as to say I, it'll land you a championship, but it'll, it'll make you a more serious contender. And that was always the intended goal of this offseason. That, that's all what, that's yeah. always what they've been trying to do. So I don't – yeah. I, I think there was um, 
there was a lot of talk about, you know, whether Russ was going to be on the roster or not and having did a home run to get the Lakers back to title contention. And I never really bought that. Um, and I still don't buy it. I think the goal for this offseason, and I think that goal has possibly, I'm not, I'm not ready to say that it has been achieved, um, but I think it's possible. I, I do like this roster better than last year's roster, which matters. But I think the goal should should have been and, and should be still try to get a roster good enough to be healthy and not have to be in the plan. Do I think the Lakers are in the plan right now? Yeah, probably. But the goal should be get a six or better seed and give hopefully a healthy LeBron and Anthony Davis a chance in a playoff series. Yeah. Because those two dudes healthy – have a chance against anybody with anybody else on the roster period. They are that good. If they're healthy, they haven't been healthy recently and the roster hasn't been good enough to get out of the plan or into the plan otherwise. But I think that should still be the goal. I don't, I think we should put aside for right now, the, the Lakers have to be a one or two or three or four home courts. No, get out of the plan and give yeah. LeBron and Anthony Davis a chance because those two dudes are still terrifying. Yeah, I mean, I, look, any of these teams at the top that will be at the top of the conference, whether it's Golden State, Phoenix, uh, Denver, the Phoenix Clippers, is a, Phoenix is a fraud. Maybe. Well, yeah. I'm, look, if Phoenix is if Phoenix is in that like four or five range or three or four range, and the Lakers are in that five or six range. I feel really good going into that first round series. I, I feel lovely. Uh, and, and, and that, but that's dependent on what the Lakers choose to do here when it comes to filling out the, you know, the rest of their roster. And again, like I, I, I personally am not the biggest fan of the basketball player that I saw in Russell Westbrook last year, but as big a factor in why I don't think the Lakers can be even a fringe contender with him on the roster beyond his general approach to basketball is that because of the amounts of money that he is making, it makes it impossible to replenish your depth. And so by moving him and bringing in some guys that do a replenish your depth and B are movable at the deadline, like that, that to me gives LeBron and AD a puncher's shot that they just don't have right now. They, they, they haven't had essentially, since the Russell Westbrook trade went down. So I, I, that is the direction I would probably, like, I've always kind of sort of wanted to go in. I was just always operating under the understanding that the Lakers have always pursued stars and that LeBron would have always preferred Kyrie Irving. But as they have the clarity as they have right now from, from Brooklyn, that, okay, it looks like for right now, uh, Kyrie, KD, and uh, Sean Marks and Steve Nash are all somehow going to not hate each other for, for the foreseeable wink, future. Wink, wink, wink. Yeah, as hilarious as that is to consider, like the Lakers have a little bit of clarity now. Now it's probably not the well, clarity. The Lakers that they also have wanted. clarity. Well, the Lakers also have clarity with LeBron resigning. That's part that of that too. Thing. Yeah, I like I, I again I I don't think this is the clarity as it pertains to Brooklyn that they would have wanted. I think they obviously would have wanted Kevin Durant traded. And they would have wanted the opportunity to to be able to trade for Kyrie Irving. That is not the clarity that they got, but they did get the ability to now kind of move forward. Some path forward has now opened up for them. And now it's just a matter of maximizing that path. And I think 
this is where it becomes fascinating because once again, you have two choices in front of you. You have an Indiana package that is Miles Turner and Buddy Heald. Miles Turner is the best player, I think, of anybody listed in from either of these teams. Or you have a package from Utah that comes with a few more guys who are probably more playable than Buddy Heald would be in a playoff series. So that's worth considering here. And then beyond that, you have to talk about what the Lakers would be able to get for just a single first-round pick. And if they're able to get something decent for Russ and the first, uh, does that allow them to make another move at the trade deadline? Like Those are all things that, again, for the next either week or 10 days that they're going to be making these decisions, that's the crux of their conversations. That's what they're going to be talking about. And that's, by the way, going to be the entirety of the news cycle for for that time. Get ready for a whole bunch of lowdowns about like, all right, they're leading hey, Indiana. Man, hey, man. They're leading <laughs> Utah. That silver screen and roll feed got something to talk about, bro. <laughs> this, this time of year, that's not normal. Yeah. Which, no, take I, what you I can get. It. I, I appreciate it. And I appreciate Kevin Durant and, and Kyrie Irving for giving us a new cycle that extended all the Everybody way Everybody else is like, this motherfucker is dragging this out. Anthony's like, motherfucker, drag this yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> Go further. Keep on dragging it. Uh, yeah. Keep, look, I... Miles is going to be born on September 16th. Keep that thing going to the 14th. Let's let's let, let's keep this train rolling. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm really interested, in, and I think I'm going to open it up here in the last Wait, 20 or so You said the, the 14th or the 16th? 16th. September 16th is, a is Friday? the big day. Friday? Dude, they have me going in at 5 in the morning on a Friday. Oh, God. Yeah. Do you know how drunk I will be in South Bend, Indiana on <laughs> that day and the following day? I, I may as well be drunk at five o'clock in the morning. Like at that at that hour, it doesn't matter if there's anything chemical. I am going to be drinking unnamed cognac <laughs> either in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Chicago, yeah. Illinois or South Bend, Indiana at 5 a.m. Pacific time on the 16th. And on the 17th, I will be definitely in South Bend, Indiana, watching my bears get their teeth kicked in. Uh, but I will be I will be saluting your son drinking unnamed cognac while I, I'm I doing it. I appreciate that. Um, all right, so I'm going to open this up. I'm really curious. Essentially, the crux of this conversation is going to be whether you would prefer some, the, the, the Indiana package of Miles Turner or Buddy Heald or some, some combination of the guys that the Lakers could be getting back from Utah, uh, whether that's Patrick Beverly, Jordan Clarkson, Bojan Bogdanovic, Mike Conley. I didn't mention Rudy Gay uh, in 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 the list that I just tweeted out from Silver Screen, but that I for, guess is, for good reasons. Yeah, I, he looked pretty washed last year. Last year, so like if if Rudy Gay is including included in a deal, um, it would be basically a, a throw in and a shot in the dark from the Lakers on a non minimum player. But but yeah, I'd, I'd be I'd be curious to see what what people are going to be saying here. So I'm going to open it up. Uh, we'll go with Fresh. We'll add you as a speaker. Um, we will go with uh, Floridian Kicks. Uh, we will add you as a speaker. And Hoop narrowed. Oop, and I hear Avery yelling at me in the background. So we have 15 minutes before I have on, to fresh. to my daughter. Come on, Fresh. How's, uh, how's that, how's that, how's that, uh, that cilantro yeah, wireless? Please, please how's that cilantro better than Mint Mobile last time. Is not much better. <laughs> Come on, Fresh. <laughs> we need that baritone voice. Come on, brother. Or we won't hear from you. You guys. Yeah, we're we're, we're off to we're off to quite the start here. We are flying high. Uh, all right. So, 
hoop hoop narrative uh hoop narrative podcast what what do you guys what do you think utah or indiana uh anthony i just want to appreciate you for having the spaces and having me letting me talk um i would definitely probably go with the indiana trade but um i guess my big question is um to you is since Kyrie's off the table, are we are we still thinking about doing the two first round picks or no? I think the Lakers at this stage, uh, both based on what has been reported and and just kind of the stuff that you hear it, around the league, is they were cool. And look, this I believe was reported verbatim from Mark Stein, so that's the most recent example that I I, I read. But the Lakers were okay trading two first rounders for Kyrie. They were kind of softening in their stance on that but we're still pretty hardline against trading both of those two first rounders for either the package coming from Indiana or the package coming from Utah. Now they have less leverage because they have fewer options now. So maybe they rethink that stance uh, as, as we know it to be right now. But as of right now, the latest reporting on that is that the Lakers would uh, be holding on to, or trying to hold on to that second first round pick. Thank you. And appreciate it. Uh, Aaron, do you think, do you think, I mean, again, without getting yourself into trouble here, but do you think now that the Lakers have fewer options, they would rethink their stance to, or as we kind of think it to be on, on moving both first round picks for a not star? Or do you think they essentially go to both of those teams and say, who is willing to do what for West, for a first round pick and Russell Westbrook? And that's the approach that they take to these negotiations. So it's always, fluid um but what i will say is the developments of today did not catch the lakers by surprise so i don't think it's not i don't think the lakers have to be or are going to be reactionary to this news because it didn't catch the lakers by surprise um okay well well yeah we'll we'll say that but again you're, you're not wrong right when when options when you when options are perceived to be removed, that affects leverage. When options are seen to be increased, that affects leverage too. So, all of these things, um, whether it's Donovan Mitchell, whether it's Kevin Durant, whether it's Kyrie Irving and Russell Westbrook, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all of these things are kind of interconnected. Even Rudy Gobert, because that in some ways that's setting a marketplace. Even uh, Dejounte Murray, because that's setting a marketplace. All of these things are interconnected, but the Lakers were not caught off guard by today's news. Let's say that. Yeah. I mean, generally speaking across the, the NBA, like we find out stuff at least like a week or two after everybody directly involved with the league tends to find this stuff out. So like one thing that's been really interesting to to watch over the course of this, this, this KD and Kyrie and Brooklyn saga has been the flow of information and, how it's been made a little bit more transparent in that I think most people know a little bit more where information is coming from and why it gets out. Like that's, that's one of the things that these sagas tend to lead to, but it's, it's still like the thing that sticks out to me was Brian Windhorst. Uh, There was, there was a report that the Celtics had included Jalen Brown and Derek White in a trade for or a potential trade package for Kevin Durant. And Brian Windhorst went on ESPN and said, like, oh yeah, that's been out there for like a week. 
And, and it really kind of stood out to me because one, yeah, okay. It makes sense that that wouldn't be enough to really move Brooklyn given what they were asking for in the first place. But also if it's, if it's been out there for a week, where's that information? Like <laughs> if that's something that we've known about well, here for a week, yeah, but that's, what's, but what's think, going on? <laughs> but I think the significant part about that. And again, when you hear anything, whether it's from Chris Haynes or Woj or Shams or Windhorse, like Zach Lowe doesn't really break stuff anymore, or even even Mac Ten. Whenever you hear something broken, a a news source, a you have to consider where it's coming from, who it benefits, and why. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when the the newsworthy part for me, and yes, that had been around for a while. Windhorse is correct in saying that. But when that becomes public, the part of it that matters is that Jalen Brown has now become the best single player that we know has been offered or we know who is available for KD. So in that regard, it's it's relevant. Now, is that Boston wanting it out there to cover themselves? Say, look, we're doing our due diligence, maybe. But more likely, it's Brooklyn saying, hey, this is the best player and he's available all these other teams, what else you got? Because we know we can get this dude. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, like that's what's been interesting here is this is some of the most transparent leaking that, that I can really recall um, over as we've seen over the course of these, of these last couple of months, but you know, that bar continues to be raised. So we'll see, <laughs> we'll see what information flow looks like moving forward. Um, all right. I'm going to, I'm going to go and where, and where we're going to get it from. Yeah, um, I'm gonna cut this thing here and and hold on. Aaron... Let me say one. Let me say one thing. Uh-oh. I see. I see a couple. No, no, no. It's gonna be quick. I see a couple of the, the homies in the chat. Javi, Golden Eye Graphics, Adele can't beat LA. They got fantastic stuff. I want to support them. So they great Kobe stuff. Shirts, merch. Go, go, go. Check out both of them. There. I'm done. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to tell you about the way sponsorships work, Aaron. <laughs> hey look i told them, uh, both of both of them yes i know so ma- hey make sure you we've say, been giving out free hennessy here forever bo- and bo- now we're just like- you know what we're saying unnamed cognac both of y'all look hey both of y'all gotta send anthony a bunch of stuff y'all both could do it i told i told them both a long time ago that i never wanted them to have to get real jobs ever again and i mean that and so i'm gonna support but y'all better y'all better send anthony all the stuff all the kobe stuff <laughs> Um, no, I, those guys do great work. I, and, and I appreciate, I just, I love watching this stuff evolve. It's, it's been really cool to have a front row seat as it's evolved. And it's really fun to see where this stuff is heading next. Yeah.